So tonight we're going to be discussing the story of Lazarus. And the, the title of the message is God's Glory in the Backstory. I was hoping it wouldn't rhyme to not sound cheesy, but I didn't know any other way to bring it about. <laughs> but tonight I want to talk to you about John's last recorded miracle. And I was excited preparing and studying for this message. So pardon me if I may amen up here by myself. But as we go through this story, I want you to see one of the cliches that God's delays are not his denials. But in fact, it's part of a greater purpose. And I'm not going to necessarily give you action points during this message, but I want to give you some observations to ponder. Now, understand this early on, that everything in this life, the world and, and your life, revolves around God Almighty, around Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if it's the Middle East or your address. It is all for the glory of God. And I want to say something about whatever situation you may be going through, you can rest assured that God is going to work that situation out and he has a wonderful plan, a perfect plan. And though we may not understand it, we can trust the character of God. Amen. You know, we sing songs all the time about how he's worthy of it all and all we want is him and nothing compares and he's exalted. And God would agree with you 100%. I read a quote and it really stuck with me. It's believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Don't make the mistake of doubting your belief and believing your doubts. You know, when things come about, it's easy to get shipwrecked in doubt, right? And I like that because it reminds me that no matter what we are facing, we can trust the character of God and we can anchor ourselves in the word of God, right? God's word is where we get our beliefs, but our circumstances is what really causes us to doubt. Now, I want to pick up the story because we have quite a bit of verses to read here. But I want to look at the request. In John 11... Verse 1 and 3, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, Lazarus is the little brother of Mary and Martha. And we'll see in, in a minute well, a little bit down the road, why she anoints his feet. Because we read this story, and some of you may not know the outcome, but Lazarus ends up experiencing a miracle. Now, Lazarus had gotten sick with some sort of sickness. It would be equivalent today as being on life support all of a sudden, falling ill. And then maybe he, he would be on some type of ventilator, and they call the pastor Jesus. This is what would happen today. You'd call the pastor or life group leader and you would and you would you would go and visit this person. On top of that, Jesus was best friends with Lazarus, Mary and Martha. But for some reason, they feel the need to remind Jesus of his love for Lazarus. Right. He's like your friend, your friend Lazarus is sick. I think sometimes we feel like we need to remind the Lord about us, right? <laughs> we, we're, we're just sitting in this situation and we're like, Lord, do you even remember me? 
Are you paying attention to what I am asking you? But I want to assure you tonight, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the fourth man in your fire. And he is always closest to you, whether you believe it or not. See, Jesus doesn't have, have to be coerced into having some new understanding or compassion for you. Remember, he died for you. He died for me. He shed his innocent blood so you and I can be with him for all of eternity. He never has to be talked into caring for you. Here's what they knew. If Jesus intervenes in this situation, it can change. It's really that simple. Three points quickly that I just want you to remember in this aspect. I just need to bring my request to Jesus, even though I know he knows. Number two, I already should know that he deeply cares because he cares about me. And number three, I can choose to trust God's glory in whatever he wants to do. And you can take that in a small situation or a huge situation. Now, the sisters send a messenger on a two-day journey. Imagine this. Imagine, I like to read from the point of view of the messenger here. Imagine this poor messenger. This is what the verse says. This is the response. John eleven four. I can imagine him just breathing. Jesus, I need to talk to you. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will re receive glory from this. Now imagine that. <laughs> okay. Now, did you snap your fingers? Did you pray? I didn't see you pray. Is he healed? Am I going back to good news? Maybe he thought there's no distance in prayer, and obviously he would be correct. Remember, there was no way to verify this with cell phones. You think that the messenger was like, okay, thanks, I appreciate that. By the way, Jesus, you think maybe you can Uber me or send me? Because, I mean, that's a long drive. But I wonder if he thought this information will not help them if he's already died. Think about this. It's equivalent to someone in desperate need coming to you and throwing themselves at your feet and saying, I need you to help me. I need you to join in prayer. And you say, oh, brother, I'm going to pray with you. And God's going to work it out. Just trust God, brother. Right? I wonder if he thought, okay, now I have to go back. I don't know what's going to happen, what this situation is going to turn like, turn out to be. But this is what we need to know here. God is who he is, but God reveals himself in his word and by what he does in our lives. Now think about this. All he could go back with was to trust God at his word. Jesus said, he's not going to die. This will be for the glory of God. And he's got to go back with this situation. When he doesn't do what we think he should do, we define God as mentally uncaring in our situation, or too busy, or slack maybe, or unconcerned. And in fact, you would be in good company because the disciples asked the same question. When they were in the storm of their life, they said, do you not care that we are perishing? See, the revelation was the fact that, listen, if Jesus is in my boat, I, you know, I, I know we give Peter a lot of credit for stepping out of the boat. But I just want to tell you, if it was me, I would have stepped out the boat too, right? I see a man walking on water. I'm going to step out and walk on water. 
So I get Peter, you know, and at the same time, we, we like to put ourselves in David's point of view. And, you know, David killed Goliath and, you know, I maybe not would not have threw that rock. But at the same time, I wouldn't have slept with Bathsheba. And I wouldn't have had Uriah killed. So don't read the Bible stories and say, man, this is how I need to react. This is how I should have reacted. Beat yourself up. You are you and I am me. But I feel like if I was in that story, obviously I would be very concerned. But hopefully I've seen Jesus do some things that I'm like, you know what? I'm going snuggled next to Jesus. And I'm going to put my head on that same pillow he's in because I know that nothing's going to happen to Jesus. See, the involvement is the fact that Jesus is there, not necessarily what he's going to do. You see, in verse 11, we see that Jesus already knew what was going to happen. But here's a relational fact that you and I need to know. We will never know him as provider until he provides for us. We'll never know him as healer until he heals us. He is known as the one who can make a way where there seems to be no way, but he reveals it to you when he makes a way where there seems to be no way. I know he can restore your marriage, but I may need him to restore my marriage. I know he can deliver people from drugs, but I need him to get my kid off drugs. I know he heals the brokenhearted, but my heart is broken. Do you know how that happens? By being in a circumstance that allows that to happen in your life. Number three, the delay does not mean denial. Look at John eleven five and 6. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Now, think of this. Although, really? Right? If you came to someone and say, hey, I need you to come help me, oh, I'm, I'm going to come in two days. Is that how you respond to a friend? who knew that they were requiring drastic help and you could help them? Here's the thing, though. You're not trying to show them something that they need to know about you. And you're not trying to show them something that they don't know about you. This is what Jesus did. You know, it looks like this. Yes, I love you, but you might need to stay in jail so you can detox, right? Yes, I love you, but that divorce you went through drove you to me. Yes, I love you, but that circumstance that was crushing you drew you to the altar and I invaded your heart and your eternity changed. Right? Although you would like it to work out this way, my glory is seen this way. Believe me, I am the first person that tells God, God, this is what you should do. God, I'm telling you, I don't know how you see things in heaven, but I'm telling you, if you just did this, this would happen. Right? Or is it just me? <laughs> All right. I just want to make sure because I'm like, God, maybe I'm not supposed to be doing that. But listen, being loved by God does not protect us from disappointments, difficulties, and crisis. In fact, his interaction with us in those moments is where we see his characteristics and his glory. Being loved by God does not spare us from the anxiety of the situation. You know, I think of my dad. I can only go back to my situation. But he didn't have to die of cancer after 11 years, God, right? After all the small miracles and the answered prayer. 
God, not one baby out of all these miscarriages. I had to come to the point of view where I said, although my glory, Kale, although whatever you think that although is, listen to me. Although if it's based on you and how you want it to work, you will be crushed when it doesn't work out the way you seem, the, the way you want it to. But if it's seen from a God-centered view of knowing that you can trust God, you can be confident in God, and you realize that all of, all of this world revolves around God. I am not the center of my universe. God is the center of my universe. Jesus Christ is the center of this entire world. It's not America. It's, it's when he's going to come down and he's going to stand in Israel and rule from that wonderful place. That is the center of the entire world from here on out. And he is going to be a good master, a good king, a good brother, and a good ruler. And if you can keep your mindset on, God, this is what I would do. <laughs> you, I, I said that. I'm sorry. Listen, I was thinking, <clears throat> if we'd had a kid, I would have gotten Anna to, to maybe for the baby dedication service, put like pride rock up and have, you know, all the... Uh, the Lion King, maybe have animals come out and I would have held the baby up like, look, but that didn't happen. <laughs> See, a lot of times we would rather focus on our good and then his glory, right? We like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It needs to be I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? See, I have kids, actually more than the Brady Bunch. And actually, one is actually here, Dylan. And side note, he, he's a business owner, and my wife now works for him. So, <laughs> so God has been, been good. Oh, and my dad, who had cancer, is with his own kids in heaven. Him and my mom lost seven total. And Shannon and I lost six. And I promise you, my dad would not come back if I asked him to. And he had cancer. That's what we need to remember in our situations. You see, for us, the glory of God is seen in my dad keeping his faith during that time. And my dad standing on this platform and singing the glory of God down. I don't know if you were here for that service, but I have never felt God's presence the way I felt that. Maybe it's just because it was my dad. <laughs> but listen, I remember that moment, and my dad left it all here. I couldn't have wrote a better script. And then he got in the bed, and this that, he could barely talk. For the When Nathan was here playing with him, when they were practicing, he was walking with a cane, and he could barely get the words out because he was so weak. But if you were here, you saw him belt it out like I have never seen him do that before. And so what I'm telling you is it glorified God in our worst moment. And that has forever stuck with me. And the glory of God was seen in the way that we were able to be strengthened during that time. But make no mistake. My dad soared from that bed, that hospice bed, thank God for hospice, into the streets of gold with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, smothered, amen, praise God, smothered 
with his kids and my kids in the presence of the King of Kings. And I want to just throw this side note. This is truth. My kids and my brothers and sisters are serving the Lord right now out of the realm of sin and Satan, never to be worried about falling away. And soon and very soon, we are going to see the king also. Amen. That's the facts. That's the truth of the situation. So you battle with the circumstance, but you have to battle with the truth. You know, in the book that I wrote, that came from all of these situations that details all of these things that the Lord showed me. And it was, listen, I don't know a lot of things on this earth. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming I'm making the right decisions in life. But I can tell you one thing. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God told me, God told me to write that book. And he downloaded so much to me in that time that it brought healing. And I was walking around weeping running, screaming during that entire process. And then in the book, there's a story of Mephibosheth. I won't go into it tonight, but I believe if you can understand this one revelation, it will change the way you see death and disappointments. You see, we split up this life of eternal life. Listen to what it says in John 3, 15 through 16. I'm going to read it in the Weiss Expanded Translation, which is a Greek translation that reads it to you in with the present tense verbiage and, and things like that. You understand what I mean when I say it? That everyone who places his trust in him may be having life eternal. For in such a manner did God love the world in so much that his son, the uniquely begotten one, he gave in order that everyone who places his trust in him may not perish but may be having eternal life. That is present tense. That means when you give your life to Jesus, you're born again to live in eternal life here and there. So every aspect that you and I go through is part of the plan. Now, we have to know that this delay is not because he doesn't love them. He has a plan, his love for them to show him love, power and salvation. Now, remember, Jesus already assured them that in the message, this will not end in death. But Lazarus died. It didn't match the words of Christ. Ever been there? Lord, this is what you said. It don't match. John 11, 11 through 15. Let's read it. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, <laughs> I love the Bible, Lazarus is dead. Like, you're not getting it. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. I like that too. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Now, listen, the greater the trial, look for the greater revelation. The message is finally received by his sister sometimes after Lazarus died. Imagine the messenger. He didn't get there in time because there was no Uber. Wow. But notice Jesus sees death differently. He sees it as sleeping and not soul sleep. Asleep is the word that Jesus used for the, for the death of Jairus' daughter and for the, the widow woman from Nain. Now, no doubt Mary and Martha knew Jesus could raise the dead, right? 
No doubt these miracles spread throughout the region. And we, don't, we know that the disciples were there. But here's the difference. It happened on the same day as the, as, as the death. You see, sometimes we can get so used to God doing things a certain way that it, the familiar looks normal, right? They were like, well, yeah, he could raise the dead. You see, Mary and, by Mary and Martha's calculations, Jesus needed to get here before or the day of because that's what he would usually do. It didn't take a level of faith, right? If you saw Jesus raise the dead, you'd be like, okay, well, he'll probably do this again. They literally expected the miracle to come the way they expected it to come. Because they say this, if, he'd have, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. They even had more faith than you and I do right now. If you, don't, if you believe God can raise the dead, Put your name on the hospital list at Lafayette General and our and Lady of Lords and say, hey, if somebody's about to pass, call me. I'm going to come and I'm going to pray for them to be raised from the dead. <laughs> I don't think you would do that. However, <laughs> when my dad passed, everybody got out of the room. Guess what I did? I said, Lord, I believe you can raise the dead. And I prayed and he didn't. Thank God, because I know my dad would have been aggravated. Think about it. And the grass had to be cut. I mean, I would, don't, if I pass, don't come pray to raise me from the dead. I want to be with Jesus. Amen. (laughs) But listen to this. The day comes and goes. It's the fourth day. And listen, what we need to understand in this story is the fourth day here is the ultimate impossibility. I don't know if you understand the magnitude of this fourth day issue. See, the Mishnah, which was the oral Torah, it was verbal uh, stories that were passed down. They had already had a story that the nefesh, which is the soul, would hover over the body for three days. And so they already had a way to theorize, well, this is why Jesus raised the dead, because the nefesh was still there. He's not God. That's how they interpreted these things. But by the fourth day, the nefesh would leave, the soul would leave because it would start to stink and it would push the spirit away. So you see, Jesus had to show them something that was even more impossible than they could ever think or imagine. It's equivalent to this. There's a way that maybe you could understand it that's a little bit easier to explain explanation explanate it imagine a crematorium okay i had a friend that worked at a crematory and i went visit him one day to see how his job is and we walked around and he was like yeah man we went to this giant oven okay first of all i'm a hypochondriac I don't mind claiming that. Just don't come breathe on me if you're sick. I'm going to really think I'm sick. But, yeah. So, <laughs> so we're walking up to this big oven, and he's like, <sighs> and I'm like, man. I'm like, man, y'all need a dust or something, bro. It was in my eye and my mouth. He was like, that's not dust. <laughs> like, we still friends, but we don't talk that much no more. <laughs> He said, it's not dust, you know? And I'm like, nah, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. 
This is the realm of the miracle. Imagine as if Lazarus is in a crematorium and he's just ash. This is this is the level of miraculous that Jesus is about to do. John 11, 17 through 44, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, which is amazing because when you stand on the Mount of Olives, you can see because we've been there. We took pictures. You can you know that you've been there. Uh, yep. OK. <laughs> so you have Jerusalem. You're standing on the mountain and you have Lazarus. And I'm like, man, the people walk slow. <laughs> but it says, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise like everyone else on the last day. Once again, he's, I already know this. I've I, I read the Bible. I know. Jesus told her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? I can see Martha. Of course. I come to church. I went through all next steps. I'm in life group. In fact, I read this this morning on you version, Lord. Yes, I already know that. Maybe she's obnoxious. Like, I know that, Lord. Jesus Yes, Lord, Jesus, uh, she told him, I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary and she called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. I was reading that. I'm like, I didn't really hear her say that, but maybe so. <laughs> maybe it's in another part of the uh, other gospel. That's cute. Jesus had stayed outside the village at that place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. That word deeply troubled means he was irate. That's not, I mean, when you read it, but you understand why he is irate when you keep going. It's, look what it says here. I've lost my place. Bear with me. They said, Lord, come and see. Then G oh, okay, here we go. Where have you put him, they asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people were standing nearby and said, see how much, I could imagine this. See how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed the blind man, but couldn't keep Lazarus from dying. I'm just saying. That's how I read it. <laughs> and Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. Why was Jesus mad? Because Jesus hates death. And Jesus kicks death behind later on, right? I guess we can say that. <laughs> So this is what she says. He says, roll the stone away. And Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. You can never make him happy. 
I'll make up for that after this. Lord, he has been dead four days. The smell will be terrible. Lord, he stinks. This is about to get messy. Lord, we can't be around dead people. Haven't you ever read Robert's Rule? And the Baptist said, amen. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Robert's Rule is a, a book of uh, bylaws. There you go. This one. Did. So Jesus comes to the crematorium, opens it up, right, in, in, in our context. No dust and nothing gets on him. And Jesus responds, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. This, mirac this miraculous miracle was off the charts, far beyond what you could think or imagine in today. But this cemented in everybody's mind that he is God. See, sometimes God want to be a little extra with you to show you that he is mighty and that he is all powerful. And God can wait till the last minute because there's no time with God. A lot of times God do, does wait till the last minute, I will say, right? Amen. If the rest of you, you'll see. <laughs> but listen, it's never over. With God, it's never over. It's never impossible. Impossibility hides like a rodent when the light comes on, when God shows up. Amen? But listen, perspective is the map that will get you to the place you need to go when you're anchored in Christ. See, we want to pick our message, right? I don't want to tell you about losing kids and somebody dying of cancer. But I didn't pick the message. That's the message that I'm working with. I think of Uncle Rex doing a life group on forgiveness. My gosh, all things for God's glory, right? God uses all things. Say that with me. All things. Come on, you need to believe that. Here's the point, John eleven forty five. Many of the people who were with Mary believed when they saw this happen. Their lowest, most traumatic gut-wrenching experiential moment caused people to believe in the Messiah. They dropped religion. They said, Pharisee, shut up. That's God. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I would have said. I would have been like, you ain't got no, no business here now, Pharisees. But look, at I, I used to watch this show. It was uh, the Justice League where it was uh, Super Friends. How many of you watch Super Friends? It was a Superman and all, you know, <laughs> all right. Superman and Flash and all. There was a cartoon. I'd watch it after school with my Pop-Tart <laughs> and my Bing Bag chair. And while they were in the Hall of Justice, you know, being like, man, I'm Superman. I could do anything. They would have the commentator that would come up and say, meanwhile, that's the joke. Okay. Who <laughs> is hot in here? But listen, here's the greatness of this miracle. The timing 
set the plan in motion for the death of Jesus. This was the tipping point. Listen, John eleven forty six through 54. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. If we allow him to go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. And otherwise, the cash cow is about to go in the ditch. These people will not be able to look at us like we got all the answers. Right? These people were about the, the money. These people were about power and prestige. And Caiaphas, see, even, even God can use a little devil. Look what he says. We can call Caiaphas, uh, I mean, he, <laughs> Caiaphas, who was the high priest at the time, said, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize this. Look what he says. Like God just hit him on his back and he spit out truth. It's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. That's right. It's better. Because Why? Because of Jesus waiting four days, it brought him to the cross, which benefited all of us and even Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This was the moment that they said he's got to die, which brought us salvation. And I like what it says in verse 51. He did not say this on his own. As a high priest at the time, he was led to prophesy that Jesus would die for the entire nation. And look what it says in verse 53. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. You see, here's what I want you to get in this part. God's delay sometimes is part of a bigger plan that you don't see that will benefit someone. The delay benefited all of us, right? It benefited Lazarus. It benefited Mary and Martha. Now, enter Lazarus. John 12, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it all because of time's sake. But six days after the Passover, they threw a party. They threw a party and Lazarus was there. And now they're like, Lazarus, the one whom Jesus raised from the dead. And this is where Mary, Mary and Martha, uh, through, through that party, then Mary breaks the, the perfume over Jesus' feet. And then look, 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 Judas. I like how the Holy Spirit meddling right here. Watch what he says. That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And look what it says, verse 6. Not that he cared for the poor. (laughs) That's how I read it. Not that he cared for the poor. He's a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Like, I ain't want to gossip so you hear this from me. (laughs) Now look what it says in verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to him. And also, look, to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. (laughs) Now, come on, man. Like, man, Jesus raised me from the dead. Praise God. Yeah, he's the son of God. Wait, who who are you looking for? Him and me? (laughs) Could you imagine this? I got raised from the dead only to die again? (laughs) Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Side note, just because Jesus comes through doesn't mean the battle's over and life gets easier. 
Lazarus is now on the wanted poster of Jerusalem. He really entered into the sufferings of Jesus, if you think about it. But see, they needed Lazarus' silence because the devil wants your testimony. The devil wants you to shut up. If you keep spouting off about how good God is, it's not going to be good. That's what all of hell wants to want you to believe. See, the devil doesn't fight what's not a threat. If you're sitting back easy breezy, get in the battle. I'm serious. Don't think that just because, man, life's going great. The devil don't bother me and I don't bother the devil. That your, your name's not in the streets of hell. That's what it is. It might be in the streets of gold, but it's not in the streets of hell. Like one has said, I want to be known in heaven and in hell. Come on, I know y'all ain't ready to say that. We the church. We don't walk around in demons, like all this stuff going on. We don't walk around and be like, oh, man, I hope the devil don't see me. I hope, I hope the demonic powers of, of hell don't see me. Lord, I'm not going to do this because I don't want the devil coming after me. Don't mistake favor and protection for idleness and warfare. If, if everything's going good, I'd check your gun. Not, not in this, not in that sense, but I check your weapons of warfare. Cause the devil should be, I mean, you got one battle, the smoke is not settled, and they got three more goons coming for you. That's how you know you're in the battle. Amen? I, I didn't expect to get no amens there, but hey, that's just what it is. Whatever you're going through, no matter what it looks like, there is a reason, and there's part of the plan. And rest assured, people will benefit if you open your mouth and tell them what God did for you. Amen? What happened is religion faded and Christianity rose and completely overthrew kingdoms. I mean, in, in these, you, you could read so much church history. Christianity, as it began to, to rise, it over, it toppled over nations and all these things, but in a good way, not in a bad way. People were like, man, forget all these, uh, kissing statues and all that. I'm going to find Jesus. Many people lost their lives. And it wasn't because they were telling you everything's going to be perfect and good and fine. Go read some of the stories of the early martyrs. So here's the, the last point. What's your fourth day dilemma? What dream do you have that looks hopeless? That looks like a pile of ash? Whether it's waiting for a job to work out, a wayward child, trouble in pregnancy, a spouse, health. Put whatever name you need to put on it. This is the thing. We all have an ending period of where we expect it to end. And this is where weariness creeps in. And I want to help you not be weary. Keep going. Dust yourself off. Get out of the bed of depression. Strap your boots on and move forward. Listen, you might not be able to run right now. Walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But keep moving forward. Now, some things obviously are self-inflicted. So I'm not saying that, you know, we don't mess things up along the way and it takes more time. But in the case of Lazarus, all these people were in God's will. It was just part of a bigger plan. Mary and Martha received the word that, the, that Lazarus would not die the second day after he died. That's hopeless, right? 
It's not always how it turns out, but what God is showing you about himself. Listen, the greatest thing that God can give you is more of him. That's it. It's not money. It's not houses. When God gives you more of him, when he shows you something, when he, he downloads something, those are the things that last for here into eternity. Those are the things that cement you in your faith. In other words, believe in spite of your preferred outcome or timeline. The point is, it's never impossible, right? Just believe. Can we stand? Now, it was simple, and, and I just want to pray for you tonight. And we're just, I just want you to bring your request before God. Just whatever it is in your own heart. Father, I just come in the name of your son, Jesus. And Lord, I, we come together as a church, as a body of believers. And Lord, we're bringing whatever need it is that you have. It might be a job. It might be a wayward child, a sickness. Lord, we bring it before you. And your word says when we believe together, when we join our faith together, when two agree, nothing shall be impossible. Right? That's what the Bible says. Nothing is impossible. The Bible says do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. When two agree touching anything on earth, it'll be done by you in heaven. Father, we know that you care, right? God, we know that you care. God, I come right now in agreement. Father, we acknowledge that you care about whatever circumstance, whether it's big or small. I remember hearing a story and the lady went to this pastor and said, do I bring the small things to God or the big things to God? And he said, lady, everything is small to God. So, Father, we bring everything that we have need of right now. And, God, we thank you that you care. We thank you that you're going to do something in the midst of us. And, Lord, we trust you. Come on, this is where you exhibit trust. God, I trust that you will glorify you, yourself and it will work out for my good for many people. It's that simple. God, we just believe and we stand on your word. And no matter if it's a big need or a small need, Father, we are trusting you to work it out for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask. And the church said, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise him.